Oh, hi there. It's August 17th. I'm Ezra Levant, and you're watching Battleground. Hey, welcome to the show. Do you know that every single Friday, unless I'm traveling or doing something that makes me have to leave the side of my trusty laptop, I do something called Battleground, which uses the new thing that Google YouTube has allowed us to do for a few months now. It's called Super Chat. That's their word. As you can see on the right-hand side of the screen, your comments come up as usual, but Super Chat is a new thing that YouTube added, where for a few bucks or a few lira or a few rupees, you can make your comment highlighted in a bright color to stand out from all the others. And as I'm looking forward, I see it out of the corner of my eye, and I'll immediately read it. And uh, the great news for us here at The Rebel is we get a portion of those revenues. I think it's 70%. So we help pay our bills, which is good because YouTube, of course, has demonetized us and the rest of the conservative web. Hey, at least they haven't banned us yet like they have banned uh, Alex Jones. Hey, I want to talk about our millionth subscriber, guys. So get ready to show the Thanks a Million website. But uh, um, I'm just talking to our team here. But let me uh, tell you a quick thing. I mean, we, we just hit a million subscribers on YouTube, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I'm, I know we're being throttled in a few ways. I already mentioned that we're demonetized on the ad side. And um, notifications, people regularly say that they don't receive notifications for videos. I mean, really, when you've got one million subscribers and you do a live chat and you have 258 people watching, it's pretty clear that the other 999,950 did not get a uh, notification. Uh, I'm not whining, I'm just explaining what's going on. Like I say, at least we weren't uh, deleted altogether, as was Alex Jones. He had about 2.4, 2.5 million YouTube subscribers. That is mighty. I mean, there are bigger sites, of course. There's some, you know, PewDiePie has more than 50 million. He's, what, 60 million or something. But he's an entertainer. He's a gamer. He's a, he's a you know, there's a lot of uh, music sites. There's a lot of pop uh, culture sites, movie sites, but in terms of news commentary, Alex Jones was one of the biggest with 2.4 million, and they just pushed a button and deleted him, not only shut his account down, but also wiping out thousands of videos he had. We have 9,700 videos on our system, and they would be deleted in a button, push of a button. Um, but that's what could happen to us. But let me show you uh, our thanksamillion.ca website. Um, we actually, <laughs> look at that. Well, I'm so ugly. I'm so glad I don't have to look at me most of the time. Look at that picture there. Thanksamillion.ca. Scroll down a bit because we have a commemorative pin. And I sort of like the pin. Yeah, go down further so we can show the pin. There you go. You see that pin there? There's two different versions of it. I like the one on top. I call it gunmetal gray. And then we got a color one, uh, the, mil the One Million Club. And we're, as you can see, we just started a, a sort of crowdfunding. They're, they're 50 bucks each for the gunmetal gray, and there's other prices too. And it's a fundraiser. Absolutely it is. And I don't apologize for that uh, because we have to pay the bills. Alex Jones pays the bills with his supplements and vitamins. Uh, we've got these pins. So if you want a pin, Feel free to subscribe. Uh, sorry, not to subscribe. Feel free to buy a pin. And you can wear it. And it's like a secret signal that someone else sees that pin and they know what you're about and whatnot. Um, so there you go. We, we got a million subscribers, and thank you for being amongst them. 
And here's what I'd like to cover today. It is 12.03 uh, p.m. On Fridays, we used to do this every day, but I, I just couldn't um, be at my computer every day at 12 noon Eastern time. So we do it every Friday. We, and we used to call Fridays Free For All Fridays, which means I would just read a ton of um, comments. And I'm going to do that today. But there are a few things I'm going to touch on also. I've got a very interesting video from British Columbia at their Gay Pride Parade where a Persian man, who I presume is gay, walks through with a sign that says, Allah is gay. And we'll play you some of that. I'm not going to play all of that for you. Um, why don't, guys, why don't we get it ready? I want to play it. Um, let's cut it in half because it's a little long, but I want to play the second half where he encounters people who say you can't do that. And uh, so let's get that ready to show. That's Armin Navabi. He's... Um, Obviously not a practicing Muslim. I think he, I don't think he is. I think he's an atheist, but maybe he's just a liberal Muslim. I don't know. I don't know if, if other Muslims would regard him as Muslim, but there's some interesting moments there. Uh, I want to show you that video because it's interesting. I want to um, show you some more of social media banning our friends. Our friend Gavin McInnes was just taken off of Twitter. Just boom. He had, what, a quarter million or more followers and Twitter just said, no, you may wish to choose to follow Gavin McInnes, but we don't believe you should, consenting adults should have the power to follow Gavin McInnes. I see, out of the corner of my eye, a super chat. The Corker chips in five bucks and says, will Justin Trudeau fire Ikra Khaled? I doubt it. And right under that red pill Scott, five pounds says, Hey, looking to offer a rebel voice here in Scotland. Well, thanks very much, Red Pill Scott. Why don't you send us uh, an email to careers at the rebel.media, careers at the rebel.media, with a link to um, a sample of your work. Like if you've got a video out there, it doesn't even have to be fancy. It can be like a, something you shoot on your webcam or, or even your cell phone. Don't worry about the production value. I just want to see what you look like, sound like, feel like, talk about things like that. <clears throat> Primpal08, congratulations on passing a million subscribers. Thank you very much. But let me come back to the corker who says, well, Justin Trudeau fire Ikra Khalid. Can we get an image of uh, Ikra Khalid with that gentleman from, uh, there's a Palestinian activist, and that's fine. And Palestinian Canadians are citizens, or they can be. And they can have their points of view. They can even take strong points of view against Israel. That's fine. That's part of democracy. But this one activist whose name, I don't want to get it wrong. It's not right in front of me. Uh, is just a full-born, full-blown, out-of-hand anti-Semite. And that's different. That's different. Now, again, that's lawful. It's not against the law to hate anybody in Canada. Um, you, can't, you can't ban hate. It's a human emotion. But what you can do is you can exercise political judgment. So let's put that up here. And I want to show you Ikra Khalid, who is the Pakistani-born Muslim MP who brought in the anti-Islamophobia motion. Um, you can see uh, the man in question, Amin El Mued. He's standing there with Justin Trudeau, and he's standing on the right there. I don't know who if. Can I get one? with him and Ikra Khalid. Anyhow, on two occasions now, uh, Ikra Khalid, this Pakistani-born Muslim MP, has given an award to this gentleman uh, on two occasions. 
And the first time it was such a scandal that many reports documented how anti-Semitic and how virulent he was. So you, you might give Ikra Khalid the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, well, you know, she didn't know. But when she did it a second time, you can't make that mistake twice in a row. And a, a group that's a watchdog for uh, anti-Jewish hate, it's called B'nai B'rith, uh, there you go. You know, giving him a celebratory commemorative certificate. Now, there was such a fuss that she later apologizes, oh, I didn't know, it was an accident. No, that, that's just not credible. It's not credible, but here's my point. And I know our American and our British viewers are saying, well, I don't know who this Ikra Khalid is. And I don't know, you know much about this other character, but let me tell you this. The reason Ikra Khalid is not just some no-name backbencher is because she introduced into the Canadian Parliament a motion called M103, which is an anti-Islamophobia motion, which will ban Islamophobia using the whole of government. So everything from the police to the courts to the media to the budgets to the tax code to our border patrol, whatever, all of it will be tasked to fighting Islamophobia. But what does Islamophobia mean? Well, it, the motion didn't define that. So she, it basically means whatever she says it means. It means anyone she wants to shut up, she'll call an Islamophobe. And I was, I was following this eruption on Twitter over the last few days as Ikra Khalid uh, was actually so embarrassed by the fact that her dirty deeds were revealed to the public uh, that she apologized. And someone said, isn't it ironic that the MP who is pushing for an anti-Islamophobia motion also happens to be an MP rewarding an anti-Semite? And I wrote back on Twitter, how's that ironic? Ironic is two things that are in contradiction to each other. Uh, as the Alanis Morissette song goes, you know, it's like 2,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. That's not really ironic, but do you see my point? There's a contradiction there. There is no contradiction between threatening anyone who criticizes Islam with legal punishment and that same threatener promoting anti-Semitism. There's no contradiction. They go hand in hand. That's Ikra Khalid. That's my answer to one of the super chats. I see another super chat. Blaine Sandberg, congrats to you on a million subscribers. Well, thank you very much, Blaine. Um, I want to make sure I've got all the comments there. I think I might have missed one. Here we go. Puppy Strachan, 449 Australian. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, I think I've caught up on all of those. So let me, without further ado, show you this video. And you know what? We here at The Rebel we try to shine a light of support and publicity on our progressive Muslim friends. People in the States, you may know Zudi Jasser in London. I've, I've gotten to like this Majid Nawaz. We've never interacted with him, but I admire him from afar. In Canada, we have friends, whether it's Salim Mansour in London, Ontario, or Raheel Raza here in Toronto, uh, Tarek Fatah, excellent people. Uh, I want to show you someone, I've never met him, but I think his name is Armin Navabi, which I think is a Persian name. And he's gay, obviously, and he's living the Canadian lifestyle, which means he's not living under Sharia law. Under Sharia law, he'd be thrown off the top of a roof. So, um, you know, I'm just reading from his uh, biography here. He's the author of the best-known-selling book, Why There Is No God and uh, a co-host of Secular Jihadists. That's a funny phrase, isn't it? So um, I guess he's, he would call himself an 
ex-Muslim. Let me read from the top there. Armin Navabi is an Iranian-born ex-Muslim atheist and secular activist, author, podcaster, and vlogger, currently li living in Vancouver, Canada. So, um, so he would not, so apparently, I was going to say, I called him a liberal Muslim or a Muslim reformer. He's clearly calls himself an ex-Muslim and an atheist. But look what he did at the Vancouver Gay Pride Parade, which is a very large gay pride parade. It's probably the largest one in Canada, or the second largest. Uh, let's just play a few minutes, and I, I'd like the second half of the video, if you please. Go ahead. Reactions. What's this? It's a sign. What's the fucking sign you're crazy or what? What's wrong? Uh, we don't know halal or not halal anyway, forget about that. Government allowed to do this. It's a free country, I can do whatever. Yeah, it's free, but it offends lots of people. Why is it right? Why is it right? This seems like a very simple thing to do here, and it is. There's not that much consequences for us saying something like this, Allah is gay here. But this is punishable by death in many countries. We just want to show to them, if they're watching, that there are places where you could get away with saying stuff like this, and nothing can happen to you. And give them hope. Give them hope that if we can get away without a death penalty or imprisonment in a country like this, and not only be free to say it, we can show you how much positive support we got from people, there is hope for your country. Love has to win, and not just here, but everywhere. Hi, I'm, I just wanted to say I'm, I love what you just wrote down. And oh, it's so wonderful to see that, and I'm also from a Muslim family. Oh, thank you so much for the support. That is an interesting story. You know what? I, I was unsure if he called himself officially an atheist, and I see now that he does. I, I thought it was interesting that there were a couple of Muslim men, men, of course men, uh, men are the enforcers of religious modesty in theocracies uh, like Saudi Arabia and Iran. Um, you can imagine if they would say that in Canada, in Vancouver, which is a liberal city, and obviously in the precincts of a gay pride parade, uh, what they would say perhaps in their mosque or to women. So that shows that even in Canada, you have some strains of that. Uh, what was interesting to me was listening to Navabi. He, I think he was doing it as a test. I don't think he actually believes Allah is gay. I don't think anyone does. Um, he was just doing it as a test to show, as he said, people in the Muslim world that there is perhaps hope that things can change. I don't think that proves the point, though, because... Vancouver is free and liberal, especially on matters of sexuality, um, but Iran is still not. There is some uprising, there are some uprisings in Iran, and I think we need to support them more. Uh, but Saudi, and you would say there's a drop of reform in Saudi Arabia. I see that some women are allowed to drive under some circumstances now. But I don't think it necessarily proves hopefulness that Canada is free if Iran isn't. And let me ask you a question about Canada and about the United Kingdom, which I know better and better these days, and about continental Europe, is the trend there towards more or less Sharia law in the public square? Is it the trend there to more or less tolerance for this 
Armin Navabi, if he were to walk through London, England, would he get such a happy response? Vancouver is not a very Muslim city. Um, there are South Asians there, people from the um, Indian subcontinent. Some of them are Muslim, of course, but as you may know, if you know Canada, um, the large demographic minorities in that city are Chinese, Sikh, Filipino, uh, Korean, and Taiwanese. Um, it's Toronto and Montreal that have the much larger Muslim population, London, Windsor. So I don't know if Armin Navabi would be able to get away with that in Toronto or in Mississauga, a more Muslim suburb. I know he wouldn't be able to get away with it in many parts of London. I know he'd probably be stoned in Luton. And I know there's some parts of Paris where he'd be stabbed. And I put it to you, and the same in Rotterdam and Malmo, Sweden. I put it to you that all of these places I've just li listed in the West are going more towards the Iranian, more towards the Saudi way than Saudi and Iran are going towards the Vancouver way. Would you agree with me on that? Would you agree with me that while he is experiencing this moment of total liberation in Vancouver, that the trend is against him. That's what I believe. All right, let's go and grab some more comments. It's uh, 12.17. I do this every Friday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to read. Uh, JP, I saw a gang of Muslims in London, Ontario, attack a white man. You know, I... I take your word for it. There are plenty of gangs. Um, in Canada, there's an enormous problem with Somali gangs. Can you call up the list of the most wanted criminals in Toronto? Uh, I saw Manny Montegrino tweet it, but you could probably find it just as fast. Uh, it was sort of a startling picture. If you look at the most wanted criminals in Toronto, they have one thing in common, and they're not the Irish. They're not, here we go. Ubaid Said, Akil White, Ibrahim Mohammed, Shukwan McLean, Abdul Qadir Handul, Mehmet Akert. They're not all Muslim. I, I see, I'd say they're 50 to 60 percent Muslim. Alaswar Sami, Mohammed Kalam Kamudin, Hussein Gojani. It's not 100% Muslim. It absolutely isn't. Uh, and there's a white guy at the bottom, Dennis Melvin Howe, and a woman named Rosaline Wallace. They, um, have, they're on the list, as you can see. They've been wanted for homicides in the 1980s. But if you scroll up, uh, you can see the demographic change in the great city of Toronto. Um, yeah, and now we have police in Canada who, in Halifax, for example, there's been a spate of rapes by Halifax taxi drivers. And uh, Halifax is a great little town, great little city, going there next week. And um, this, this is shocking, like rape after rape after rape of girls being raped by, by taxi drivers. And for the first few times, they reported the identity 
of the, um, the taxi drivers. Sometimes if he got away, the girl would say it was a, someone with a Middle Eastern accent and darker skin and an Arab accent or a Muslim accent. But after a while they stopped describing the men. I remember one hilarious and sad instance where they were just described as having an accent. Now, if you describe someone as having an accent, I suppose you told me something more than I knew before. Um, you can rule out a native-born Canadian. But who do you rule in? Now, the, the, the girl who was raped obviously heard the accent, and she probably could identify it. But when you just say an accent, was it an Italian accent? Was it a Yiddish accent, maybe? Was it a Jamaican accent? There's so many different. Was it a Cockney accent? Oi, mate. Was it a down-under accent? Was it a Chinese? I mean, you're really not saying, yes. Police say the attackers are men, mostly with dark hair, and aged between 30 and 50. Most spoke with an accent, and many had must say, okay, dark hair. So you told me what the dark hair is. What's the skin color? And what accents? What a Sexual assault allegations in Halifax taxis spark warnings. Oh, this is a gorgeous story. Scroll down. I remember this story. The warnings are, um, hey, girls, here's where to sit in a taxi. <laughs> Look at that. 12 sexual assault complaints against taxi drivers in recent years. Keep scrolling down. Keep scrolling. If this is uh, 7 of 14 cases, police have identified suspects. Uh, keep going down. Keep going down. They're, they're, they're Muslim. I'm sorry. I just, why can we not say that? Uh, I think if you go down, keep going down until I get to the police advice. Down, 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 down. Keep going. What can I do? Police have offered these safety tips. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Um, sit in the back seat on the right-hand side so you're far from the driver and near the curb. If you need to get out quickly, hey girls, hey girls, we know there's rapists swarming you, but um, if, if you can, just sit where, cause, and, and watch out for people with accents. What, like a Newfoundland accent? Is it, is it a Quebec accent? Hey girls, hey girls, keep your phone in your hand, or nearby girls, you'll be fine, dear. They're more afraid of being called racist, then they are afraid of rapists. By the way, I mean, I've done a lot of stories on these taxi rapes in Halifax. Um, when they find the man and they charge him, they don't necessarily pull his taxi license. They let him keep picking up more girls. What do you think of that? I read one case, um, I think it's being appealed right now, where uh, a woman was found in the car, her pants down at her ankles, being raped, allegedly, by a taxi driver who, whose defense was, oh, she, she wanted this. She, she consented to it. She was drunk, half passed out, and he was having sex with her in the car. Because what young Halifax girl doesn't dream of a romantic encounter in a dirty, smelly cab on the side of a road. And if I'm recalling the case correctly, the judge said, well, we don't know she didn't consent. Because the judges would rather tolerate ra rapists than racists. And that's how you got yourself Rotherham. Well, it's coming to Canada. It's coming to Canada. Sorry to say it, folks. L-N-L-G-H-T-N-L-Lighton. 
$2 says in London stand, he would have been acid attacked. You're exactly right. Lulu Bobs, Ezra, have you heard of Thomas Quiggin? I just bought his book, The Danger of Political Islam in Canada. Have you ever had him on your show? No, I haven't had him on my show. I see his work here and there. I noticed he just got published on the Gatestone Institute. Um, I would like to read his work some more, and I would be open to having him on the show, of course. I just want to get to know him and his work a little bit better. All right, it's 1224, and um, uh, Jimmy Z49 says, Ezra, I hear we will have a new federal holiday. Yeah, um, you might not because it's a statutory holiday that only government workers will get for sure. But um, it's going to be an Aboriginal day, but not any old Aboriginal day. I, by the way, am sympathetic towards having an Aboriginal holiday. Uh, For our viewers overseas, that means Indians. We don't say Indian usually, although it's called an Indian Act in this country. We say Aboriginal or First Nations or Indigenous. Um, The proposal, though, is not a day celebrating... Indians, their history, their culture, their language, their, you know, geography, their art. That's not the proposal. That would be interesting to me. I I would actually like to know a little bit more about what Aboriginal life was like back then. Just out of curiosity about where I happened to live, you know. I think it's an essential part of the Canadian story. They're here first. I'd like to know more about it. But that's not what this National Day is about. This day is not about history, it's not about culture, and it's not about the future either. It's not about a day where we can uh, talk about economic development for Aboriginal people who are further behind relative to the general population in Canada than African Americans are in respect of the general population of America. So Canadians love to feel morally superior to Americans looking at the gap between white and black Americans. But our own gap between Aboriginal people and white people is much larger. But we do something very strategic that they, won't, that they don't do in the States. See, in the States, the social and economic and crime dysfunction uh, that they have to deal with, it's right in the inner cities most of the time. So you can't avoid it. If you go to a big American city, you go to Philadelphia, you go to parts of New York, you go to Washington, D.C., with majority black city, you go to Baltimore, you go to Detroit, you see with your eyes the result of policies and you, you see the problem. Canada, we're much more sophisticated. We push our problem out of sight, out of mind onto Indian reserves. Now, there are a lot of urban Indians. But we like to push our problems so we don't have to be faced with them so we can feel morally superior to Americans. Anyhow, my point is, this new holiday, it's not a celebration, it's not a positive affirmation, it is a holiday of shame where Canadians will be told about the atrocities we've committed in the past, including an alleged genocide against Aboriginal people. Of course, Canada committed no such genocide. Genocide, the plain meaning of the word is you wipe out the genes, you wipe out the whole gene pool. The Holocaust was an attempted genocide. The Armenian genocide perpetrated by the Turks was Muslim Turks trying to kill all the Armenian Christians. That's a genocide. Um, Canada did not commit a genocide. There may have been individual atrocities along the way. I absolutely know that. Um, By the way, there was wars between Um, the British, the French, and Aboriginals on the other side all the time. In fact, Indian bands, Indian tribes, sometimes were allies of this or that European army. 
So, of course, there were atrocities on all sides, by the way. But why on earth would you make a national holiday entrenching, repeating, obsessing over failures or negativity instead of celebrating, hoping, promoting? Isn't that what most holidays are about? I think they should be. I see a couple more Super Chats have come in. Idowanovas Osarian says, Speaking of criminal activities in Toronto, do you have any thoughts and comments regarding David Menzies' recent missions on a local Toronto City Councilor's cockroach comment controversy? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I was away that day, and so my friend uh, David Menzies hosted uh, the show. I have a show every, every night at 8 p.m. called The Ezra LeVance Show, just so I don't forget what it's called. Um, it was named to help me remember. Um, and he interviewed a, a Toronto City Councilor named Giorgio Mamaliti, who's regarded as a conservative force on council. I don't think I've actually even interviewed him before, but he seems like a nice guy. And he was talking about some gang-infested social housing in a Toronto neighborhood. It's the same problem you have everywhere. You have social housing, and you don't have true property rights, and you have politically correct policing, and people don't want to get tough with the problem because they're called racist or whatever. And, <clears throat> and they were talking, and, and by the way, uh, Toronto has had more gun crime this year than New York. What do you think of that? That's amazing. Especially considered, <laughs> we've banned guns. I don't know why the criminals, maybe we just need to double ban them or triple ban them. And if that doesn't work, we're going to keep banning guns until the criminals get the message. Anyways, so Mamaliti was talking about how when you go to some of these parts and ride along with the cops, they make you wear bulletproof vests or stab-proof vests because it's so dangerous. It's a fact. And there was one passage. Can we call up the passage? Can we call that up? I want to play it. Um, and I want to go about a minute before he says cockroaches because I want to prove, because he asked a good question, that Manalini was not calling the inhabitants of these social housing projects cockroaches. Of course not. He was calling the gangs that infest these places cockroaches. And the media party has run with this, but it's all on tape. It's like they cut off the tape right before he said the words so they could lie about it. It reminds me of when Donald Trump called the brutal satanic gang MS-13, when he called them animals, and the media said, you just called immigrants animals. Yeah, no, no, he was calling this murderous gang. Tattoos on their faces, they literally, ritually kill people, they literally are Satanists. He was calling them animals, and the media said, no, he called immigrants animals. They're doing the exact same thing to Giorgio Mamaletti. We're going to call up the clip and we'll play it from, they just give me a signal when it's ready. And I'll play it for you to show the lie there. I want to show that because I know that's a Toronto-centric question. But the lesson is more ubiquitous than that. The lesson is you just can't trust a word the mainstream media has to say. Tom Youngjohn, two bucks, says you saying Canadians aren't morally superior. Um, <clears throat> Canadians are morally superior than other countries and some other countries. Uh, we were talking about that at the top. Uh, you know, we're better than some cultures. We believe the equality of men and women. We believe in the equality of people regardless of what, you know, we don't believe in 
the supremacy of one religion over the others. We believe in the separation of mosque and state. We believe in nonviolent solutions to problems. We believe in a whole bunch of things that make us culturally morally superior than, say, the theocracy of Iran or Saudi Arabia to pick two. That doesn't mean every individual Canadian is morally superior than any individual in those countries. In fact, often those individuals in those countries are the victims of their immoral culture, their immoral government, the gangs, the, the theocracy. So I'm not going to say that any individual Canadian is morally superior than, anyone, than any random person from any other country, no. But the way we've arranged our affairs collectively is. Now, I think that Canadians can take it too far, patting themselves on the back. There's a lot of anti-American sneering, and that's what I was alluding to before. We have our own ethnic dysfunction economically that we have to address, social dysfunction, and it's not urban blacks, it's Aboriginal people, and we have not solved those. And all this fake holiday will do is be a placebo. It doesn't solve the problems. We still have an Indian Act in Canada that makes it illegal for Aboriginal people to own property on their own reserve. Did you know if you're an Indian living on an Indian reserve in Canada, you do not have the right to own your own house. You can't sell it. You can't mortgage it. You can't buy it. You don't even have the right to do your own last will and testament. The Indian band gets their final say over that. If you're a farmer uh, in some parts of uh, Canada on an Indian band, you need the government's permission before you're allowed to sell your produce off the reserve. The thinking when this law was written decades ago, century ago, whatever, was that we can't trust uh, Aboriginal people to make decisions on their own because they'll just be hornswoggled by some unscrupulous trader. Uh, so we have to protect them as if they're children. That law is still on the books while we're talking about bringing in a new holiday. How about fix that law first? Uh, are we ready with the Giorgio Mammoliti clip? No. All right, let's abandon that. Uh, we, we missed the moment. Um, have, we, have I missed any super chats? Let me ask you that. Have any super chat? No, I think I've got them all. All right. It is 12.33. We're halfway down the show. Let's keep going. I'm going to read some, uh, some comments. I'm just going to read some regular comments. If you want to put some Super Chats on there, I'll see those right away. Uh, Shane McSee, is Ezra also Jewish? Yes, I am. Steve Garai, if he's Iranian, he's obviously a former, he's now secular, a Shia Muslim, not Sunni. This also means, according to their code, that he can now be assassinated by any Muslim. Good troll, brave. Well, that's the thing, is that the punishment for apostasy in Islam is death. Apostasy is when you quit a religion. You're not allowed to quit. <laughs> uh, focus on Yahweh chips in $5 Canadian. Thank you very much. If you have a, a question you'd like to put to me, feel free, and I'll make sure to keep an eye peeled for it. Um, Fast Heinz 039 says, forest fires turning day to night in central BC. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. That looks very uh, ominous, the forest fires there, and I hope everybody stays safe. Um, I see four, uh, two Super Chats from Focus on Yahweh. Thank you very much for those. You can also write a comment or a question, and I will do my best to, to answer it. So um, feel free to do that. Uh, D. Mihalaki says, what do you think of the Three Seas Initiative? I'm sorry, I don't think I've heard of that. I just, I just don't know what that is, so I, I can't answer. Um, let me uh, read some more here. Brian3934, will Bernier be removed? Talking about Maxime Bernier, uh, the Canadian politician, member of parliament from the Quebec, who placed an extremely close second place to Andrew Scheer in the uh, 
in the Tory leadership last year. And the trouble is, because it was so close, and because Maxime Bernier in the last week has not actually done anything wrong, he hasn't contradicted party policy, he has not attacked anyone in the party, he's just criticized Justin Trudeau's obsession with that hollow phrase, diversity is our strength. How can Andrew Scheer fire him? For what cause? For attacking a fellow Tory? He's not. He's attacked Justin Trudeau. For contradicting party policy? Why? By saying there's such a thing as too far, too much diversity? It's not really a party policy. It might be tonally something the party doesn't love, but I, I think most conservatives would agree with that. I see a couple more super chats. Tom Youngjohn, why is Israel so damn important? Well, it's important to the people who live there. It's important to people around the world who have a religious connection, uh, Christians, um, to the birthplace uh, and where Jesus lived. Uh, Jews, that's where Mount Zion is, that's where the Jewish temples were, that's where the modern Jewish state is. And um, it is also the third holiest place for Islam after Mecca and Medina. So there's a religious answer. There's a political answer too. It's uh, a Western-style liberal democracy in a region with mm, that's just all dictatorships. Um, it's a proxy for military battles. I mean, uh, in the 1980s, for example, the new generation of American fighter jets, F-15s and F-16s, fought against Russian fighter jets uh, of the Syrians in the Bekaa Valley. And I think, going from memory, they shot down 80 Syrian jets with no losses. Um, it's really a proxy war. It was during the Cold War between East and West. So it's not just itself. It's also, I mean, to this day, Iran has its proxies in Syria. Russia is in Syria. America is allied with Israel. America was with you. Like, there's just so, so many other fingers in it. So that's my attempt at an answer there. Um, I see another super chat here. Colin Buckley, well done, the rebel, for reporting real news. UK news is done. Any updates on Tommy? Yeah, I spoke to Tommy this morning. In fact, um, I mean, I'm, there was a while there I was talking to him every day. I, I'm not calling him every day now uh, because uh, he's still on holiday with his family. I see, though, and I was talking to him a bit about it this morning, that um, a reporter for the Daily, the Daily News went there and... Uh, went to the island where Tommy's on vacation, like flew there just to take photos of Tommy and his family. And Tommy detected this guy very quickly. It wasn't just one guy. There was like a team of them. And Tommy accosted the guy and said, why are you endangering my family? Why are you taking photos of my wife and kids? Why are you exposing them? And, and Tommy, as usual, filmed that on his phone and he uploaded that to uh, his YouTube page. You can find it there. Um, and the story is on the Daily Mail. Uh, it's already there. I, I, I saw it. Pictures of Tommy. Um, yeah, Tommy was in prison for two and a half months. And he went on a holiday with uh, his family to reconnect with them. And uh, he went um, off the coast of Spain. That's, it was actually a holiday he had booked a long time ago. And he got out of prison two days before the holiday began. Talk about great timing. So uh, they went to, why, I don't know why that's newsworthy, really. I, I don't quite know the thinking there. What's interesting to me is how the UK media, especially the tabloid media, obsess about Tommy as much as anyone, but for some reason they haven't gotten around to writing yet about his amazing court of appeal victory that vindicated him and condemned the legal system. For some reason they haven't gotten around to writing about his torture in prison. I say torture advisedly. He was physically and psychologically abused in prison. 
So they'll, they'll fly. Imagine the money of flying a whole team to a hotel uh, in um, the Canary Islands, finding him, like scouring the whole island, finding him, and then taking pictures of his wife and kids. What, is, that, is that a $10,000 exercise, $20,000? Why? It's, they're just weird, they're creepy, obsessive stalkers. Um, let me catch up here a little bit. Rutger Hodike says, shut up and take my money. Well, that's very nice of you to say. I, I won't shut up, though, because other people want to hear me yap for at least 20 minutes. Bill Hicks, seven Australian dollars. Thank you. Bill, free, feel free to, to make a comment. Um, <clears throat> Ingrid Warner, $5 Canadian. Hey, Ezra, what are your thoughts about Tesla suing the Ontario government? Um, well, to, uh, to explain for our viewers who don't know the background, and I, I haven't read the lawsuit, uh, I just read the headlines. Uh, in Ontario, as part of some green scheme, some virtue signaling, the government of Ontario would give a massive subsidy to anyone who bought an electric car. And there are some electric cars that are around $40,000, $50,000. I mean, I guess the Prius is sort of, gets you some sort of a rebate, I think. But the pure electric cars, like the Tesla, would get rebates, I'm going from memory here, of up to $14,000. I'm going from memory, so that might be wrong. Forgive me if I'm a little bit wrong. Um, there we go. Elon Musk versus Doug Ford. Tesla files lawsuit against Ontario government over electric vehicle rebate program. Tesla claims it was explicitly excluded from Ontario's rebate transition plan, leaving many buyers short 14000 Okay, so I was right on the number there. I'll just read the first sentence. Elon Musk, Tesla Motors Canada, has filed a lawsuit against the Ontario government, alleging it was a subject of unjustified targeting when the province cancelled its electric vehicle rebate program last month. Uh, da -da -da, the automaker claims the government's decision left hundreds of customers ineligible for rebates they expected to receive when they ordered their vehicles, blah 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 this matters before the courts. Here's my, my view on it. Teslas are very expensive, like they're extremely expensive. And not just that. The people who buy them, they're rich. And not just that. They're, they're snooty snobs rubbing it in the face of their neighbors. It's not, it's, you know, I used to have a neighbor in Toronto who had two tiny little windmills on his, on his roof. They were, they were so lame because that's not going to power anything. And every morning when I would take my kids, put, get them in the car and go to school, I'd say, kids, look at those windmills. Are they spinning or no? Every morning, because I would see these stupid windmills. And most of the time they weren't, and I would always show my kids that, because the point is, it's just a virtue signal. This guy with the windows also had solar panels. It's snowy, it's cloudy. They were not designed to work. They were designed so everyone on the street would know that this guy was morally superior. He spent, I don't know, 50 grand, 100 grand or more on this whole roof thing that I know didn't work. And when it worked, full tilt, it was probably only saving him a few dollars. It was not an economic investment. It was not an electrical investment. It was not a true investment of any sort other than in showing the neighborhood that he was better than us. Now, the Tesla could be cool. I've never driven one. It could be fun to drive. So there could be a non-virtue signaling reason to buy a Tesla. I'm skeptical. I think it's like being a vegan or on a gluten-free diet. Uh, I think that it's almost like a law 
if you have a Tesla, you have to tell someone within the first five minutes of meeting them, or you break the first rule of the Tesla club, which is, it's the opposite of Fight Club. First rule of the Fight Club, don't talk about Fight Club. First rule of the Tesla club is, if you don't tell someone within five minutes you've got a Tesla, they take it back. So you've got these rich snobs who aren't saving any electricity, who are spending 80, 90, 100 grand on a Tesla, and they want Joe Lunchbucket on the assembly line to pay taxes to give them a $14,000 credit. Tell you what, virtue signal on your own money. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Take your own money, and if you want to spend it on a vanity project to show your neighbors how better you are than them, don't expect them to pay for it. That's, that's the rub. It's, you know, and I'm sure that I subsidize my neighbors' stupid windmills. I'm sure of it. Alan Ansel, I asked you a while back about making a rebel flag. I got a couple made up and I'm flying one. I'd like to send you one. Where would I send it? Well, that's very nice. A rebel flag. Um, can you guys Google our, our Eglinton uh, Dufferin P.O. box? You know, at the bottom of our, I think our address is on our website. It's at the Eglinton Dufferin post office. Um, can you find that and I put it up on the screen or something or even, you know, Alan, uh, thank you very much, by the way. I don't know our mailing address offhand. It's a post, there it is. No, way at the bottom, there it is. Yeah, P.O. Box 61056 Eglinton Dufferin RO, Toronto, Ontario. That, so thank you, yes, please. I'd love to see a flag, that's great. Uh, Chicken Permission 105 says, the MSM and other leftists are afraid of you, not of who you are, but what you do and what you do, but of who you can be and what you're capable of. Well, thank you. That's a very hopeful way of phrasing things. And thank you for the five bucks. Uh, sometimes we're very, very good. And sometimes we're not as good as we should be. And that's because we're flawed human beings and we're amateurs and we're sort of doing this. Uh, and this like, uh, you know, a phrase, I remember when we launched the Rebel, literally one day, one business day after the Sun News Network folded. Talk about building an airplane as you're taxiing down the runway. I mean, we started with no money other than the severance that we got from the Sun. We started with no equipment. We started with nothing, and we just did it. And we're sort of been trying to catch up ever since. I mean, there's about five major things I would change at the Rebel if I could ever catch our breath, uh, improvements I would make, uh, positions I would hire for if we had the dough. Um, but I've been saying that for three and a half years. If I have the dough, I'd do this. If I had the dough, I'd do that. But we just don't have the dough. Unlike uh, there's this fake news site called Press Progress. They're, they're a branch plan of the NDP. Um, there's, a, there's other fake news sites out there. I mean, obviously, so there's the government broadcaster fake news site called the CBC. Massive. They get $1.5 billion a year. There's other corporate site, Vox. I didn't know that Vox was partly owned. I think it's by NBC who put in hundreds of millions of dollars. So we're sort of the opposite of that, aren't we? Like, we have to make our money in dribs and drabs. That's why we're... That's why we're... Um, Selling lapel pins for 50 bucks. That's how we do it. That's why Alex Jones sells vitamins. I mean, laugh if you like, but um, how else are you supposed to get money, especially if YouTube, Facebook, Google, Twitter shut you down? Um, Pastor Cinqua, I'm calling the RCMP Ezra if you take that flag or that glag. 
I think you probably meant flag. All right. Uh, go ahead. Um, Recycled Heart DM. Ezra, do you support Faith Goldie in her run for mayor of Toronto? No, I don't. And um, I haven't felt the need to weigh in on it because I think her candidacy is very marginal. I'd be surprised if she gets 5% of the vote. I don't think it's a serious campaign. I think it's a Twitter vanity project. Um, I don't think she has a campaign office. She has a mailbox in the post office like we do. Um, I don't even know if she has a campaign manager. It's just a Twitter campaign with a website. And so I don't think it's serious to begin with. I don't think it's built to win. I don't think that she has the um, track record of, you know, one would look for in a mayor. She has a, runs a city councillor. Um, she doesn't know all the issues. I mean, her. I, I've been to her website and I've I've read her points, and I, you know, I you know, they're, they're great little editorial talking points, but it's a meme campaign. So it's it's a. I'd probably call it a stunt. In a good way, like I'm not against stunts. We do plenty of stunts here at the Rebel. Um, it's a virtual campaign. I mean, she decided to run after taking a Twitter poll. What does that even mean? I mean, how many of those poll results weren't even from Toronto? Uh, now, I've been asked, why don't you cover her campaign? Well, we will cover her campaign as we would cover any other news, but running a, a Vanity campaign that's not even going to get 5%. That's not news by definition. There are a lot of vanity candidates who are running just for fun, just for some PR, and we wouldn't cover them. We don't even, I mean, covering the Toronto mayor's races wouldn't even be a big thing for us anyways. Uh, I mean, it's Canada's biggest city, but it's not a defining political battle for this country. So I don't think we would cover it to begin with. And of course, there's the matter that we sacked Faith uh, for cause. And that doesn't mean we wouldn't cover her. I mean, we have fired other people in the past, and we there's some people we don't get along with great. We still report on them if they're doing something legit. But And if Faith were somehow to get some momentum or were somehow to, to catch on fire with actual Torontonians, um, I'm sure we would cover it. But to cover a vanity Twitter campaign with no boots on the ground, now it would be tantamount to being a PR wing for it because it's not real. It's not real, and it wasn't. It was not um, conceived in any real or serious way. It was, you know, the latest thing from Faith. And you know, I mean, I, I, I like. Her. I've, I've talked to her twice, I think, since she left us. And uh, I, I hope, I, I hope she has a happy future and gets on the right track. I don't think doing. Um, Kamikaze run for mayor where she's going to get 5% at best is is the right path. I, but I don't want to indulge in gossip. I think you asked a legitimate question, and I think I gave a legitimate answer. Um, Faith was my favorite employee, absolutely. And uh, she was a great reporter and a great team player here until at that last shocking moment where she went on a neo-Nazi broadcast, kept it secret from me for most of a week, told me only when it was about to re be revealed in the national newspaper, and we just can't abide that. So we, we let her go for that, we fired her. Um, I had hoped that she could amend and come back, but she doesn't want to. Uh, I, I wish her no ill will, I just, we're not gonna cover a vanity campaign that's gonna get a few percent, and I don't even think she'd be a good mayor if she won because she has no management skills, she has no experience, um, I mean, it would be like saying, Ezra, do you want to be prime minister? Well, maybe as a dream, but I, I'm not, 
not a cabinet minister, I've never been an MP to take someone and put them in the top job is, is not right. I mean, we see what happens with Justin Trudeau, who actually had a term or two as an MP first. So it's, it's a joke cam campaign, and uh, what can I say? Um, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop uh, criticizing, because I don't mean to over-criticize. Um, Christopher Chung, what's your take on Alex Jones being banned? Well, I've had a lot to say about it. I've done several shows on it, if you want to um, see those. I think that Alex Jones is a bit of a wild man. He's very, very entertaining. I've probably watched in my entire life maybe two hours worth of his stuff. I see him more in memes. He's very, he's very memeable. He's very funny. He's got a lot of shtick. He's got a lot of sayings. He's got a style. got that gravelly voice. I, uh, I showed you the other day. I think it was last week. I showed you his genuine journalism when he went to Bohemian Grove. Check out our battleground from last week. Uh, I don't want to play the clip again, but he actually sneaked in to a secret society and their bizarre pagan rituals and burning effigies. It was bloody weird. So he's a, he's a real journalist sometimes. He's an entertainer sometimes. Um, he's a universal omni-skeptic which can lead him to indulge in conspiracy theories. Sometimes seriously, sometimes not. I think he's just an entertainer sometimes, and that's legit, and I think banning him is out, absolutely outrageous. Uh, banning him while genuine violence. You put up that tweet that, uh, that I showed, um, I think today or yesterday, Alex. This is a tweet that has not been banned from Twitter. Um, it's against ICE. You know what ICE stands for? That's the American Immigration Enforcement so this is a Twitter account called Proud Bulb, Bulba, and you can see it's been up there since June 19th, so July, August. It's been up there for two months. How to sabotage ice. Film them whenever possible, that's fine. Pour sugar on new cement to prevent it from setting. What's that got to do with anything? Pour bleach in ice vehicle gas tanks. Knife those effing ice tires. Put a potato way up in that exhaust pipe. If you smash glass, do it last, and then there's more get out in your community. So it's, but, but go back to that top one for a second. 4,563 retweets, 12,950 likes. So this is not suspended on Twitter. And this is just one random example. You know, the Hamas website uh, has been online since 2009. That's a terrorist group. The Ikwan website. Uh, or maybe Hamas is three years old, one of the two. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood has been online since 2009. I think it's verified. Can you go to Ikhwan Web, I-K-H-W-A-N, it's the Muslim Brotherhood. It's, it's shocking, the Muslim Brotherhood, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they're the affiliate of Hamas, terrorist group. Um, it's got a blue check mark. The Muslim Brotherhood, called the Ikhwan, has a blue check mark on Twitter. They're not just okay in social media, they're verified. But Alex Jones tells some alien conspiracy joke, we must all delete him, all YouTube, Google, Facebook, Spotify, Apple, LinkedIn, Pinterest, uh, all within 12 hours. He's been online for almost 20 years. And within 12 hours, all these company, individual, yeah, Iquan Web, that's the one. Uh, do you see, it, they joined on May 2009. They're based in Cairo, so they say. They're actually illegal in, in Egypt. Um, 
official Twitter of the Muslim Brotherhood. Do you see that on the left there? Ikwanwe, you see that blue check mark? This is, they got 141,000 followers. This is not just the Muslim Brotherhood. This is verified. This has been up there for nine and a half years, almost, over nine years. Isn't that amazing? Okay, I got to catch up. I got to catch up on my super chats. Holy cow, it's 12.55. Um, Fraser McDurney, Ezra, check your mail on Monday. I sent you a present with your favorite saying. Oh, okay, thank you, I'll, I'll do that. Um, v Zix, new Tommy Robinson channel video. Tommy Robinson destroys Daily Mail journalist. Yeah, that's what I was referring to. Tommy spotted this uh, photographer snapping pictures of his family. Tom Young John, $2. Ezra, you'd be so much better than Trudeau. Well, it's nice of you to say, um, and we all daydream about if I was prime minister, I'd do this, but I was, I'm getting really serious. If you had to actually sit in that chair and make those decisions every day, could you do it? I've had a little bit of management experience in my life. I mean, the Rebel, we've got 30-odd staff or whatever, and I, I run a magazine. I used to run a magazine called The Western Standard. At our height, we had about 50 people, mainly in the call center. So I've run some things. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, Warren Buffett or Donald Trump in terms of, but, but you just can't go from Twitter pundit to mayor of a major city. I'm sorry, you can't do that. It'll be a disaster. It's not even serious. Um, let me make sure I'm all caught up. I think I am. We still have three minutes. I'm not going to get into... Um, any other video clips or anything because there's only three minutes. I'll read some more, uh, some tweets. Um, do, do, do. Patrick Max, Israeli billionaire controls most London, Ontario real estate, Shmuel Farhi. Uh, I just don't believe that. Um, I, I'm, I'm a skeptic of that. <clears throat> Theseus 9, pretty fair analysis of Alex Jones. Look, I, li I like the guy uh, Vivace. I like his brio. Do I like everything is, he says? Of course not. Uh, you know, how can, you know, it's, it's not, you're not meant to like everything he says. Uh, John Zealand, AJ is right about China and Google. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Isn't it funny? You got a conspiracy theorist and they take them out through a conspiracy. And by, by that, I mean Apple, Google, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, all on the same day within 12 hours, they all at the same time say, oh, he violated our terms of service. Yeah, that's enough to make a conspiracy theorist um, say, yeah, I may be paranoid, but they are out to get me. Gina Wonder Woman, Ezra, I will leave now because of what you said about vegans. I accept that, Gina. Um, SS Mein Fuhrer, the Jews are the main problem in this world. No, and, and the, it's so stupid, and I'm, I'm not surprised that you don't use your real name, because that's, that's apropos of nothing, that's stupid, and that's just an insult. Um, is hip. Godspeed, my friend. May the wind be at your back. Thank you. Aussie Bear. Canadia needs Stephen Harper. Australia needs Tony Abbott. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree with both of those part. <clears throat> Nigel, Ezra would be a good guest on BBC Question Time. Hey, when I was in the UK a couple uh, weeks ago uh, for Tommy's Appeal, I went on a couple of BBC shows. They're awful. I went on, um, oh boy, I, I've just forgotten their names. Um, Eddie somebody, and I went on Nikki somebody. I love the names Eddie and Nikki. And they're just so bad. 
Like, I thought the Canadian media party was bad, and they're so much worse than Canada, and we're worse than America. The BBC is the worst broadcaster in the world that is not literally owned by a dictatorship. It's a state broadcaster, of course. But even RT, which is the state broadcaster, one of the state broadcasters from Vladimir Putin, at least it's interesting. At least it's flavorful. The BBC is so bad. It's so scoldy, so terrified of political incorrectness. It was unbelievable. Folks, we're out of time here. I, um, I've enjoyed the banter. Uh, I think Nikki Campbell, thanks. I see John Wake reminding me of some of the names. I enjoy, you can find those uh, interviews online. I, I don't know what you think about them. Uh, I thought I gave as good as I got. We're out of time. Um, I enjoyed this and uh, some personal talk. People always ask, you know, I don't avoid the tough questions. You know, I, I read some of the stupid anti-Semitism just to knock it down. You're asking me a tough question about faith. I don't think I revealed anything that was a private or confidential matter. I'm just giving my honest talk about her Twitter campaign. And frankly, I wish her all the best. And, and, a, and a vanity campaign for mayor is not the best. Uh, folks, that's it for now. Until our show tonight at 8 p.m. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, thanks for joining us. Goodbye. And keep fighting for freedom.